is wonderful to be with you guys today. We'll be continuing the series called Life Together. Life Together. Last week, Joel did a message called The Table. I love that message, The Table. So challenging. We've got a bit of a pretty table here. You know, the table is actually the reason why we have so many children. Um, Once we had our second child, I was like, hmm, when I imagine our table, I just imagine more. So we had our third and we thought that would be sufficient. But on our anniversary, I broke it to him. When I look at the table, I imagine more. (laughs) Our next anniversary, I was holding our little girl. And then I thought, I imagine no more. (laughs) So I watched him get a vasectomy, which was quite satisfying. (laughs) He was a big baby. (laughs) The table. Now when there's um, arguments at the table, I think I asked for this. (laughs) This is my dream come true. I wanted four children at this table. I asked for this. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He said, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. I'll include the ladies. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish together as fools. Life together can be the greatest joy, can equally be the greatest pain. There is so much I know that is outside of our control that contributes to relational pain. I know this well. But I know equally there is so much within our control that contributes to relational joy. And I know that well too. Scripture tells us that we are the body of Christ. Use that metaphor so we could get an imagination of how all the different parts work together and they can't really do without a part. Gosh, I didn't quite realise And it says that when the body of Christ, it says when one part hurts, we all hurt. And when one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. I didn't realise that I was signing up for that when I became a Christian, did you? I thought I, I was offered, you know, I was sold a personal relationship with Jesus. I was sold that now I'm going to heaven. Now I'm free from my sin. And now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and God has a plan for my life. Yay, that's true. But I didn't realise I was being baptised into the body of Christ. And that now what I do, my heart, my speech, my actions, my hurt, my healing, my faith, my doubt, my sin, my obedience, now it affects All of you. Should have read the fine print. (laughs) Quite a big responsibility, right? And now your faith, your doubt, your heart, your sin, your obedience, your healing, your actions, your speech. Now it affects me and all of us. Did you know you signed up for that? Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, 
always harvest what you plant. There's a deep longing in every single one of us to harvest a joyful, deep, life-giving community, to be so connected the way that our body is connected, that whether you show up or not, it matters. Your contribution, that it would matter, that you would receive from others, that you would be, you would know what it is to be known and to know. And we can just, we can know when we all share this deep, deep longing, the same deep longing, all of humanity, we can know that that longing was then put there so intentionally by our Creator. And that He put that longing there so that we would be drawn to each other. And if we would pay attention to that longing, that, to that desire, to that need that drives us together, that we would know that it would be for our flourishing and for His purposes to be filled on the earth. But then the question is, okay, if it brings us together, what do we do when we get there? How do we interact? How do we protect ourselves from the things that would drive us apart? And what do we need to plant in order to reap that joyful, deep Christian community? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank You. We thank You that You are the same Spirit in every one of us. You unite us, You bring us together and You lift up the Name of Jesus. That's what You do. You glorify Jesus, You bring us together. You're our grace, You're our strength. You're how we live together in community. And we just welcome You, Holy Spirit. Would You speak? Would You bring this Word to life for You? Convict, would You help us to understand what truly matters, Lord? Help us to understand what grieves Your heart and what blesses it. We ask this in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, team. That was nice having you there. Gosh, when we think about life together, life together. There's so much room for um, friction, offences. And you know, when I have a lot to focus on, which sometimes I do when I've got a lot to work on, I like to just ask myself the question, if I could just focus on one of these things, which one would have the greatest effect? Which one would have a knock-on effect? Which one would cause the water level to rise everywhere? And so I just want to focus on today, we're just going to focus on one thing. I'm going to highlight one seemingly small issue <laughs> that has the ability to be like a tiny wedge that separates, separates us over time. And one thing that will protect us from that wedge that would separate us. One thing that, if you imagine that little wedge between us is like, if it was like a, a weed, like a root in the garden, that this one thing would be like the gardener's hand ready to pull it out. The one thing that if we were to plant this, if we were to sow this in our own hearts, in our own spirits first, and then in our relationships, we will reap that harvest that we are looking for, that joyful, deep, connected Christian community 
that will bless us if we don't give up on each other. So I'm just gonna read this verse in Philippians and this is just gonna speak for itself. It is so beautiful. There's so much in it. And I'd actually encourage you to write it down, go home and reflect on this verse. It's so important for life together. Philippians 2 verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking up the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and he gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. I want to look, uh, I want to bring us to the example of Jesus. I'm going to take us to the upper room, to the final night that Jesus had with his disciples. Now, usually they had people, they had men, they had women that supported the ministry that were with them. His mother travelled with him. They had other followers that would come and travel and be with them. It was quite the crew. It was quite the party. But tonight it was just Jesus and the twelve on his final night with them. And it says that a dispute, this is in Luke 22, a dispute also arose among them, so the 12 and Jesus, as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Clearly not Kiwis, eh? It's not an argument that would happen here. But it's been said that this particular argument was likely there because of the presence of an unused bowl of water for the purpose of the washing of feet and a towel that was sitting there, just sitting in the room and the presence of 13 very dirty feet. (laughs) They probably did wanna know who the greatest was. I mean, they had that argument a couple of times, (laughs) but they definitely wanted to know who the least was because whoever the least was, they had a job to do. Because in the cultural context, it was whoever was at the lowest station would be the ones washing the feet. And the problem was all the obvious feet washers were not there. (laughs) Can you imagine the room, the disciples just staring at each other with the tension as they all sat there with dirty feet asking the question, who's gonna do it? I think of our dog, Pablo, and he came running into the house and he had rolled in something that he just thought was wonderful. And as the aroma filled the house and he was so excited to show us all, there's the look we all give each other of, who's gonna do it? 
who's gonna wash the dog. And isn't it sad how many arguments, how many offences, how many like ultimately relational breakdown happens over that question? Who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Who did it last time? Who was supposed to? Who isn't pulling their weight? Who didn't do it properly? Gosh, that's our house every night at dinner time. After dinner and it's time for the dishes. The other night, someone was like, well, I want to stack. I need to stack, to rinse and stack because I'm so tired, I just need to go and chill. So I just need to do that first so I can go and chill. It's like very important. And the other said, well, no, because I've got a friend waiting for me to play Robux with me and they're waiting for me to have dinner. So I need to rinse and stack so I can go join them. And the other said, well, I just want to go have a shower so I'll dry the dishes. So no one wants to wash the dishes. <laughs> and after 15 minutes of just like back and forth and stress, I worked out for them that 15 minutes over the course of a year is 5,475 minutes. So every night, 5,475 minutes a year. That's 5,475 5, minutes every year of not getting along. 5,475 minutes of stress a year that could be avoided by a simple change of mindset. That one of our ch children who's old enough now, he's been through it long enough, he's just happy to serve wherever. And I'm like, this guy's got a piece that you guys don't have, okay? from just a different change of mindset. And that mindset is that it does not hurt me to lay my interests aside to serve another's. And you might be thinking, oh, kids, funny. But I wonder if you were to add up how many minutes of, of relational stress or even internal stress when you've kept it to yourself, but just of like rallying for something to go your own way. I wonder if you added it up, how much minutes that would be? How many minutes a year would be spent begrudgingly doing a task? The thing is, when you're begrudgingly doing something, even though it might just be for 10 minutes, 15 minutes every day, and it doesn't seem like much at all, over time, it's quite significant. It has quite a far-reaching circumstance. Because over time, that turns into resentment, into resentment. And resentment becomes that little wedge that I was talking about. Resentment means we cannot see each other clearly. And resentment means even worse, that we no longer have the ability to freely celebrate when something great happens to that person, which is part of what it means to be the body of Christ. When one part is honoured, all the parts are glad, except for the part that is resenting that part. How many wasted, unenjoyable, prideful minutes would it be? It might just seem like a little thing, but I tell you over time it's not. That small wedge that I was referring to, that resentment, that's just like the thing that no one wants to do. Who's going to do it? And who's going to lay aside their interests for the sake of another? Philippians 5.3 that we had read, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Ready? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let's go back to the Last Supper. It said that the meal was in progress. How terrible. The feet still weren't washed. That's not cool. The meal is in progress. 
there's all these dirty feet. The disciples are looking at each other. No one is willing to be considered the least to go and wash those feet. They didn't know who was going to do it. They did think they know who was. They did think they knew who wasn't going to do it, and that was going to be Jesus, because he was clearly the best. He was clearly the top, and and it's the lowest job, so it's definitely not him. And this is what happened next, John thirteen two. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He offered the disciples and he offers us a a way of freedom from all of that relational tension through having a heart of service. And this message today is called joyful service because that is what we are able to have when we carry that freedom that Jesus had when you carry the heart of a servant. So I just wanna reveal something that is often quite hidden in us. And that is we can have a picking order when it comes to service. We can have a picking order when it comes to service. I wanna read to you out of the book, Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. And he said, in the discipline, which means the practice of service, there is also great liberty. Service enables us to say no to the world's games of promotion and authority. It abolishes our need and desire for the picking order. That phrase is so telling, so revealing, how like chickens we are. In the chicken pen there is no peace until it is clear who is the greatest and who is the least and who is at which rung everywhere in between. A group of people cannot be together for very long until the picking order is clearly established. We can see it so easily in such things as where people sit, how they walk in relation to each other, who gives way when two people are talking at the same time, who stands back and who steps forward when a job needs to be done. Without realising it, we can have a picking order to who we are willing to serve or not. You probably feel quite good and fine about serving anyone that is worse off than you are. Like, oh yeah, I get that. I'll do that. But do you feel the same way about someone who's better off than you are? How does that feel? How does that sit? We just had our pamper day that is just one of the most beautiful things we do at Curate. And 12 women, I think we might even have a picture, 12 women um, from the women's refuge, they were pampered, they had their hair done, their makeup, they were just spoken into, they got some beautiful clothes, they were fed, they, um, they did pottery, it was like just, just beautiful. And we had all these people willing to donate, all these people willing to serve, and it was so beautiful, I love being there. But I thought, okay, I wonder how we would feel if the women in the chairs were better off than we were. They had enough money to pamper themselves and life was going great. Would we start to think as we're pampering them, gosh, maybe I should be in that chair. Without realising that we have a pecking order 
when it comes to who we're willing to serve and who we're not. And I tell you what, that pecking order is a barrier to living the kingdom life together. And that's exactly what Jesus demolished when He took up the towel and He washed His disciples' feet. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by the outward appearance or height, for I have rejected him. This is what I want you to focus on. The Lord doesn't see the things you, the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So you might see someone and think, Oh no, they're good. Oh no, they're doing better than me. Oh no, they're fine. They don't need my service. But God might just see a desperate heart that He wants to bless today. And when you think about it, it doesn't work if we're a community all trying to be blessed by somebody who has more than us and bless people that have less. It's just too confusing. (laughs) I remember being so, so, so confronted when a single mum who I knew and I loved and she didn't have spare time, she didn't have spare energy, she didn't have spare finances, she didn't have support and she felt God ask her to bless me. And everything in me just wanted to beg her to stop. (laughs) Everything in me just wanted her to take it back. And and I just felt like, no, I should be the one blessing you. But how ridiculous is that? That was my pride. That was my pride. That That wasn't godly. Because I would have robbed her from the blessing of being able to serve another sister even in her struggle. Do I really want to take that from her? So to do life together the kingdom way, we've got to have a humble heart of service to everyone and be willing to receive from anyone. But true service, it starts in the heart, not in the hands. True service starts in the heart, not in the hands. The birthplace of true service is a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. In John 13, it said, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. So He knew His his authority. He knew that He had come from God. He knew He was His Son. He knew He was returning to God. So He got up from the meal. He took off His outer clothing and He wrapped a towel around His waist. He knew where he came from. He knew who he belonged to. He knew where his value lie. He knew where he was going. Therefore, it cost him nothing to take the posture of a servant. It didn't diminish his value. It didn't make him less. True service like that is what binds us together and it's what heals us. It starts in the heart and not in the hands because you can do acts of service without having a heart of service. You really can. And how do you know that that's what you're doing? Well, you test the fruit. Do you need others to see? Are you drawn to the type of service that is obvious? That people can see you've done a good deed? That do you kind of need it to be recognised by the people around you or by the organisation? And is there a small expectation of, now I've done that for them, surely, you know, when I'm in need... Like I've helped that person move twice. Now when I need to move, you know, surely. It's not true service. That's not true service. True service is free from the need to calculate any results for themselves. 
It sees a need and out of the security they have in Jesus, it fulfills it without asking anything in return. That's true service. That's freedom. But a person doesn't arrive there without fighting the flesh. (laughs) A person doesn't arrive there without fighting the flesh. Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Amen. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. We can think of indulging the flesh. We, think of, we can think of like lust and greed and all those big obvious things. But sometimes the flesh is just us wanting to get our own way. Just, just wanting whatever decision is made to serve our best interests. And we're so good at creating arguments of why our way is the better way for everybody. But really, we just wanted it to be the best way for us. And if it helps others, well, that's cool too. Look, it's a strong pull. It's a strong pull, that, that kind of need that want to, to get our own way, that need that want to have others serve us and not the other way around. But let's not forget we carry the Spirit of God that is stronger than any fleshly pull and desire. I wanna read another quote. It says, Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. So look, if you wanna be free from the burden of getting your own way, if you wanna be free from all of that tension of who's gonna do it, then here's your prescription, it's hidden service. It's hidden service. And look, it actually gets kind of fun. It actually gets kind of fun. Just practice not getting your own way. Sure. Cool. Let's go with that. There's such a freedom that comes with it. It really is. Oh, there's a need. There's an opportunity. I'm going to do it. And I wonder, what would that look like? What would it look like in your marriage if you were to practice hidden service? What would it look like in your whanau? What would it look like in your workplace? What would it look like here in your faith community, here in your church? What would it look like? The Apostle Paul, he referred to himself many times as a slave for Christ, as a slave for Christ. And what the people of the time understood that he was Culturally, he was referring himself as a love slave. And before you go and jump to conclusions of what you think that might be, a love slave was someone who after they had finished their kind of time of service of being a slave um, to somebody, that in their love for that master, they would choose to remain as their slave. So that's what Paul was talking about and how he viewed himself with Jesus. And man, I just remember in the school holidays many years ago when the four kids were really young and just, I mean, just the ongoing mom, 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 mom and like the chores and the washing and the mess and you just clean something up and again and again and again and the feeding and I'm hungry and like blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about. Just kept going and going and going. I remember just yelling, I am not your slave. And I knew I needed time out. And so I went into my storage cupboard. It was my special (laughs) dark place. 
<laughs> they couldn't actually, the little ones couldn't pull the door open and um, took in my Bible. Oh my God, dear Lord, I need your help. And just yelling at my children, saying I'm not their slaves. And uh, so I opened my Bible and he was in a hilarious mood this day and, and I was not in the mood. And he, <laughs> I, I didn't, I'm not making this up. I opened the Bible, Ephesians 6, slaves. <laughs> Obey your earthly masters <laughs> with respect and fear and sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> really? <laughs> and it was like he was saying in this, like, Katie, look, I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. But you can do this begrudgingly, with stress and you can even, you know, resent those little slave drivers a bit. Or you could view each repetitive task as an opportunity to serve your family in love, cultivating a heart that task after task, day after day would be shaped to look more like Christ who came to serve and not to be served. And so with this change of mindset, I found such a freedom. I began to see my home, to see my children, to see the washing pile, to see the nappies, to see everything as my classroom, <laughs> to cultivate and to learn a humble heart of a servant like my Saviour Jesus, who came to be, to teach us the way, to show us how to live. And that mindset, it not only freed me, but it gave me purpose. Gave me purpose in the mundane. It gave me purpose in the serving. It gave me purpose in all the thankless tasks. Made me realise I don't need a thank you from anyone. When um, I just, I love this place. <laughs> I love church. I love the idea of church. It's, it was God's idea. It's a really good one. <laughs> I love that we're a whanau. I love that we're a family. And I love that, yes, there is, you know, things to do here in this church, but many hands make light work. And, and it really, I just love serving alongside so many of you. I love leading my small group and knowing that there are many others of you that also serve by leading small groups and opening up your homes. I, I love being greeted by those that show, showed up today to serve. I loved sitting in the seat that I know somebody has put out. I love seeing the cards that somebody has put on the seat. I love, I love watching the pastors and the volunteers if they, as they serve during the week. I, I love it. it. It's so beautiful. And... Uh, one time I was talking to a woman recently and she's just, she was newish to Curate and she was like, I wanna serve. I can see that there's a lot to do here. I wanna be a part of this. And so I started to ask her, well, what are you passionate about? What are the gifts that God has given you? Because I wanna find you, you know, like the right spot to serve. And she said, that's great, Katie, but actually I just, I'm actually just here to help. So I just want you to tell me where the greatest need is and I'll just bring all that I am to that. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that was nice. 
That was a heart of service. And I tell you, she is a beautiful part of the body of Christ. And she's one of those parts that, that binds and heals and brings us together by that servant heart. And I just wondered as well today in our, in our church whanau, in our church family and in our families and, and in our wider communities, would you begin to reflect and ask God, how, how can I serve? How can I serve? Where are the needs, Lord? Help me to get my eyes off myself and what I need and help me, Lord, to see where the needs are and to see the part that I could play for it. I don't need anybody to see. I don't need any acknowledgement. I don't need anything in return. I actually just wanna serve in the way that you would. So in summary, we are the body of Christ. We are created to live together in such a way that if one hurts, we all hurt. If one are honoured, we are all glad. That's the kind of community we long for. That's the desire God placed in our heart and it is good. We've got a problem to overcome so that our pride and our flesh, it gets in the way. There are things that we want to do. There are things that we don't want to do. There are the people that we feel willing to serve and people that we feel resistant to serve. And there are friction and resentment because of those things that can drive us apart. The resentment, it stops us from seeing each other clearly. It stops us from being free to celebrate and honour each other. But having a heart of service frees us from those things. Having a heart of service begins with a relationship with Jesus. It starts in the heart and not in the hands. And out of that relationship with Jesus, we can reflect with the Holy Spirit and we can demolish any picking order of who we think is worthy to serve and who we think isn't. Out of that relationship with Jesus by His grace, we continue to fight the flesh and transform our desires with hidden service. Practice hidden service. Practice not getting your own way. And trust that you will reap what you sow. Trust that eventually, you will see others laying aside their interests for you. But don't focus on that. Don't expect it, don't demand it. Only focus on the sowing. And you will know that eventually your hearts will be formed in service and you'll be formed in the likeness of Christ and what once was a chore will become a joy. And so I wanna finish with this thought that joyous hidden service to others is an acted prayer of thanksgiving to God. Joyous, hidden service to others is an acted prayer of thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank You. We thank You for Your example that You set before us. We thank You, Lord, that You demolished the pecking order, you, you flipped everything on its head and you showed us that you came to serve and not to be served. I thank you, Jesus, that your way is always the freedom way. Your way is always the best way. And so Lord, help us in our community, help us in our family, Lord, to have the same mindset that you have. I pray any root of resentment that we would see it and we would pull that out in Jesus' Name, that we would be free 
in our thanksgiving to You to serve each other in joy and freedom. We love You, Lord. We love being part of this family. Thank You, Lord, for this opportunity. Amen.